welcome back to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. This is Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor, and thank you for joining us again today. Last week, we talked about infertility, and in the podcast, we did one full podcast, but in the blog, I broke it down into two parts, infertility, the basics, part one, and part two. And there were a lot of questions generated from that podcast actually mostly about trying to conceive or questions related to getting pregnant in some way, shape, or form. So I thought, why don't we just put all of that together and use that to have a podcast today? Just answering all of the questions that came up, or at least some of the questions that came up to the best of my ability. So that's what we're going to do. And certainly I might not answer all of the questions that you have. So if there's anything that you have that you still want to talk about, reach out to me and let me know and we'll talk about it. Have you ever heard of a reproductive life plan, RLP? According to the CDC, a reproductive life plan helps a woman think about her goals for having or not having children and how to achieve these goals. A woman's plan, of course, depends on her personal goals. And I love that. I love that concept of a reproductive life plan. I will tell you that when I first started practicing, I wasn't in the habit of asking people if they wanted to have kids. You know, I think I just felt like that was rude because that's how you feel in your personal life. And I still feel like that in my personal life, although as an OBGYN, I have a hard time not asking, but it is rude to ask people that just because, you know, you don't know who's dealing with infertility, who's dealing with pregnancy losses. And so that is information that people just want to share on their own. But in the doctor's office, as a healthcare provider, especially as an OBGYN, we want to know your reproductive life plan because we want to make sure that we keep you on track or at least keep you aware that there is a timeline. Unfortunately, you know, there just is. We would love to be able to say, oh, you can get pregnant if you want, whenever you want, but it just becomes a little harder and a little more difficult. And I would much rather have that conversation with you early on, as I'm sure your healthcare provider would too, versus later on down the road when you're in a situation where it's a lot more difficult. So I think that our conversation today, referencing or kind of getting in the habit of thinking about your reproductive life plan is just a really good goal and a really good framework for this conversation. So let's get started. First question, how do I get pregnant? We devoted a little bit of time discussing this in the last podcast, and so I just want to revisit that discussion because this is important. To get pregnant, you need to have sex during your time of highest fertility, which is in the week leading up to ovulation, especially the three to to four days before ovulation. Most women ovulate about two weeks before their period starts. So if you have a 28 day cycle, you will likely ovulate around day 14 of your cycle. And all I did was say, if your average cycle length is about 28 days, I just subtracted two weeks, which is 14 days. And that gave us day 14 is when you ovulate. Day one, of course, would be the first day of your period, the day your period starts. If your period comes every 21 days, then you would ovulate around day seven. And if your period comes every 35 days, you would ovulate on or around day 21. Your goal is to have sex every day, 
or every other day leading up to ovulation. And you should also have sex the day of suspected ovulation and the day after, just in case you ovulated later than you think. Sperm can live inside the female body for up to five days. Five days, isn't that crazy? However, the egg only lives about 24 hours, so timing is key. The sperm need to be there hanging out and waiting so that when the egg gets there, fertilization can happen. And this is why, you know, I always stress the importance of timing your or charting your cycle. And there are so many apps to do this. Or if you have a calendar, I like the apps. I have one that I use. It's not greater than any other one. It's just free. So find a free one. And then when you chart your period, you're going to chart the day your period started and the day your period ended. And that is just great for figuring out a lot of different things of our cycle. A lot of times people might come in, for example, and say, I have irregular cycles. But when you actually look down at what they've charted, their cycles are regular. Furthermore, what's helpful for this and figuring out your um, highest fertility time is you can get, once you've charted enough of your cycles, you can see your cycle length average. It's usually under something like cycle history to tell you, okay, your period comes like every 21 to 23 days or something like that. And so from that, you can then go back two weeks before and figure out when your week of highest fertility is. Now, a caveat. If you're using an app, usually they're going to default to a 28-day cycle. So you can't just assume that because the app says this is your fertile window, this is when your period is. You need to actually figure out how long your cycles are and then from that determine what it, what the average is because otherwise you might be completely missing your window or catching like just a day or so. And our goal is to catch the whole window. Whew. Okay, a lot of information about that. If you've got the timing right and you're still not pregnant, it's time to see your healthcare provider and possibly a fertility specialist. You might not be ovulating. There might be something structural preventing fertilization, like a blocked fallopian tube or scarring from endometriosis or pelvic inflammatory disease, PID. Or there could be a male-related factor affecting your ability to get pregnant, or it could be some combination of all of that. Your provider will likely perform a detailed history and exam, some lab tests, and some imaging like an ultrasound or hysterosalpingogram, HSG, and may refer you to a fertility specialist. When is the best time to have a baby? This is like one of my favorite questions to answer because really there's only one right answer for this question and it's short and sweet. The answer is whenever you're ready. Of course, attempting fertility later in life increases the likelihood of issues like fertility. However, many of these issues can happen at any time, at any age. So you really just want to make that decision whenever you're ready or when you get to the point where you say, mm, if I get pregnant now, it would be okay because that's sometimes as ready as you're gonna get. Should I get pregnant after 35? Of course, if you want to. And OBGYN, we refer these pregnancies refer to these pregnancies as pregnancies of advanced maternal age. There are women who are of advanced maternal age over 35. And I use that term lovingly also because I had all my babies when I was 35 years older. Now, 35 is not a magic number. It's just that the risk of certain conditions increases after 35 years old. For example, infertility is more common after 35. The older we get, 
the older our eggs get and there are less eggs available and their quality is less as well. So, you know, that's part of the 35. Also, things like fibroids are more common as we age and can affect our ability to become pregnant or maintain a pregnancy. And I do a really, I have a really detailed podcast on fibroids that I'm working on. And I'll probably um, release during July, but that's one thing that we talk about is just how common fibroids are, especially as, especially as we continue to age. So if you're waiting till you're like 40, for example, to have kids, there's a higher chance that you might have fibroids. As we age, also, we are more at risk for developing chronic health conditions like high blood pressure and diabetes. So it goes without stating that high blood pressure and diabetes are also more common in moms over 35 years old. As our eggs age, there is also a higher chance of chromosome abnormalities, i.e. things like Down syndrome or Edwards syndrome or Patel syndrome. Low weight babies, preterm birth, and a higher rate of cesarean sections are also more common. And finally, the frequency of clinically recognized early pregnancy loss or miscarriage increases as well. For women aged 20 to 30 years, the rate of early miscarriage is about 9 to 17%. And this just goes up, up, up. It increases from 20% at age 35 years to 40% at age 40 years and 80% at 45 years old. With that said, plenty of women get pregnant and have babies at 35 years of age or older as I, uh, present company included, as I mentioned before. It's just a matter of knowing your risks and preparing whenever you can, or as much as you can. And sometimes you can't really prepare much at all, but sometimes you can. What age is too late to have a baby? While the average age of first-time mothers is steadily increasing, a woman's peak fertility or ability to get pregnant is from her late teens to late 20s. Okay, we all know that a lot of women are not having babies in their late teens to late 20s because people are going to school and just doing a lot of different things. So even though that's the peak fertility time, it's not the only fertility time, the the only fertile time. By age 30, her fertility begins to decline, and this decline becomes more rapid by the mid-30s, and by 45, fertility has declined so much that getting pregnant naturally is unlikely for most women. But unlikely doesn't mean impossible. However, it is important to know that the Janet Jacksons of the world likely used in vitro fertilization or IVF to conceive, and even... IVF has its limits. And I say that because every now and then someone will come in and talk to you about their reproductive life plan, even if they don't call it that, um, and indicate that they might want to wait till sometime between 45 and 50 to get pregnant. And it's just good to really manage expectations and to know that, yes, while it's possible, it could be a lot more difficult unless you're someone who has very limited resources. And even in that case, sometimes IVF it's just not going to work. You know, IVF doesn't have 100% success rates all the time. How do I know if I can get pregnant? Should I check my anti-malarian hormone AMH level? The only way to know if you can get pregnant is to try and get pregnant. 
That's it, really. That's the only way to know for sure. If you're under 35 and unable to get pregnant by 12 months, or 35 to 39 and unable to get pregnant by six months, or 40 and over and unable to get pregnant by three months, or if you have other infertility risks like endometriosis, um, or some situation of where you've had a lot of surgeries in your pelvis and you might have a lot of scarring, you need to see your healthcare provider to discuss your options. And honestly, if you just have any questions about it, that's something to discuss with your healthcare provider. Often labs may offer fertility tests via an anti-malarian hormone level. And there's been many a time that a patient might just come in my office and say, Hey, I'm thinking about getting pregnant. I just want to check my AMH level. Your AMH level is a blood sample that tests your ovarian reserve, which indicates your fertility potential, potential in the absence of any problems in the reproductive tract. The number of your AMH depends on the number and quality of eggs in the ovaries and how well the ovarian follicles are responding to the hormone signals from the brain. The brain sends hormone signals to your ovaries that basically tell them, hey, get a whole bunch of eggs together, get them ready because ovulation is coming soon. If that number is very low, that AMH number, that could mean that the very few eggs remain. A very high number could be indicative of something like polycystic ovarian syndrome. Your AMH can fluctuate and today's value could be different in a few months. Furthermore, an abnormal value doesn't mean you can't get pregnant and a normal value doesn't mean you don't have infertility. Currently, data does not show the AMH to be helpful in people with a history of infertility. And so as I mentioned before, a patient might come into me and say, hey, I think I might want to get pregnant. I just want to check my AMH to see if I can get pregnant. And so that leads us to have this kind of shared decision-making conversation where we discuss just what exactly an AMH can tell you um, and the fact that it's going to change. And so I always like to kind of assess when do you think you want to try to get pregnant and just discuss that AMH's information for just this point in time. I've been trying to get pregnant unsuccessfully for six months. What should I do next? Talk with your healthcare provider. They should review your medical history and determine if you require fertility assistance now or if you're okay to try a little longer. I had a miscarriage. When can I try to get pregnant again? This is a great question and a question that I get often. There is not enough data to say that you must wait until your next cycle. However, we often like to make sure that your pregnancy hormone level is negative and not still positive, so basically zero or the equivalent of zero, before you attempt to get pregnant again. And that's because a prolonged elevated HCG level or pregnancy hormone level can mean that you have some lingering pregnancy tissue or some other condition. So we just like to make sure that that is negative before you try to get pregnant again. But the great thing about that is that it means that you could safely get pregnant right after a loss, even if you never got a cycle at all. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Just talk with your healthcare provider to see what they recommend. And you know, this is just information I'm giving you with my patients. I usually just say, hey, let's follow it to zero and then you can try again. But sometimes people like to have you wait um, one or two cycles or something like that. How far apart should my pregnancies be? 
The consensus is that you should avoid interpregnancy intervals shorter than six months and that you should wait at least 18 months, ideally. However, recent studies have called that interval into question. While intervals of less than 18 months have been associated with an increased risk of uterine rupture among women trying for a vaginal delivery after they've had a C-section, longer intervals like five, 10 years plus have also been associated with increased risk. So you want to talk to your healthcare provider to see what makes sense for you. What should I do to prepare for pregnancy? A preconceptual counseling visit is important to help assess potential pregnancy risks and optimize your health prior to pregnancy. Your healthcare provider is going to review your medical history, previous pregnancies, medications, lifestyle activities, so things like drug use, alcohol use, anything like that, when the, all of these things can affect your pregnancy health. You may also complete some lab work to determine if you have immunity to certain types of infections that could be hazardous to pregnancy, the baby and pregnancy specifically. That's things like rubella and varicella, which is also known as chickenpox. Or you might complete genetic testing for cystic fibrosis or spinal muscular atrophy, and even more testing if you have a, a background in a certain ethnicity where these genetic conditions are known to be more common. They may also perform a physical exam and ensure you are up to date on your healthcare screening. So like your pap smears, mammograms, just depending on how old you are and what screenings you're due for. All of this information will help you further prepare for pregnancy. Well, what if I don't want to be pregnant right now? Should I freeze my eggs? Egg freezing, also known as oocyte cryopreservation, is a way to help women preserve their fertility if they're not ready or can't attempt pregnancy right now, especially if you know you want to have your own genetic children. Mature eggs are preserved so she can later attempt pregnancy via IVF. Think of it as an insurance policy. That's the way I think of it. If you freeze your eggs now, and today's eggs are always better than tomorrow's eggs, you may, well, for the most part, unless you're undergoing certain medical therapy or something like that, but assuming you're completely healthy, Today's eggs are better than tomorrow's eggs. And if you freeze your eggs now, you may use them later or you may get pregnant on your own without having to use them at all. Unfortunately, egg freezing can be very expensive and freezing your eggs doesn't mean you'll be successfully, uh, successfully able to use them later. So that's the other thing about it. Again, this warrants a conversation with your healthcare provider and likely a consultation with a fertility specialist because when you sit down with a fertility specialist, they will take all of your information into consideration and really talk to you about egg freezing and if that would be beneficial for you or not. What else can I do to increase my chances of getting pregnant? Your goal is to be the healthiest you that you can be prior to getting pregnant so you can just continue those healthy routines once you are pregnant. This will help you to have the healthiest pregnancy possible for you. Eat healthy and maintain a healthy weight. BMI extremes of body mass extreme um, body mass uh, index extremes. Goodness, I like Forgot that acronym that quickly. <laughs> um, BMI extremes of too low or too high can affect your fertility. 
And I have to really emphasize that because, you know, you might just see information about how being overweight is really bad for trying to get pregnant and can affect your ovulation, but being underweight can do the same. Working out is wonderful, but regular strenuous workouts can affect your ovulation and make attempting pregnancy difficult. Take a prenatal vitamin that includes folic acid and iron. And geez, this is like, I think I went through the whole list of questions, at least the most common questions. And these are really just answers to a few of them. So if you think of something else, do not be shy. Send me a message through the website or Instagram, or you can send me a message at drhackatladypartsdoctor.com so we can continue the conversation and I can address your questions either directly or through another podcast. Please stay in contact with your healthcare provider to make sure that all of this is working for you. Remember, I'm just here to provide you extra information so you at least have a starting point or start thinking about maybe some things that you didn't think of before. And then when you have the questions or you do your additional research, you'll talk with your doctor. Don't forget to subscribe to the blog, the podcast, which is on Apple, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, um, the YouTube channel, Instagram, Twitter. I'm like on TikTok now. That's something new. I don't even know how that's going to go, but I'm trying it out. (laughs) And let me know if you have any questions, stories, or ideas you want to share. All right. Until next time, this is Dr. Stephanie Hack, Lady Parts Doctor. (music) 